1: hello and welcome to on the ledge podcast it's so a long time and i'm here to answer your questions I am your host Jane Perrone and this week is another On The Ledge Sew Along special in which we'll find out about germination tests, where to get your seeds and how to tell a fake seller from a real one. Plus we meet listener Emily and Kevin from Epic Gardening answers a question about hydroponics. Thank you to Anna and Monica, who've both become Patreon subscribers this week, unlocking extra exclusive content. Find out how by visiting the show notes at janeperone.com, where there's lots of other ideas about how to support the show. And a confession from me. It's been pointed out to me by a listener by the name of Gargantuan Sound great name, that I made a mistake in the spider plant episode number 101. And that was, I got my Varagartum cultivar mixed up with my Vitatum. The audio was wrong. The show notes were right. Not sure what was going on in my brain that day. Anyway, I have gone back and corrected that in the audio and the transcript so that that is correct. And if you spot an error in On the Ledge, do point it out. It may not be something I've spotted and I always appreciate your beady eyes and beady ears uh, helping me out and talking about old episodes I got a lovely message from Logan in the Midwest of the US about the plant swap episode number 112 and Logan emailed to say thank you for the plant swap podcast I don't know why the idea of plant swapping hadn't crossed my mind before but after listening to that episode I decided to look into swaps in my area on a whim luckily for me there was a swap happening in a few days I'd never have thought to look if it wasn't for you how lovely. Glad to hear that, Logan. And that is the power of On The Ledge spreading plant swap joy all over the world. I also asked for those of you who've taken part in the On The Ledge Sew Along in previous years to get in touch and tell me how your leafy charges grown from seed are doing. Thank you to Michelle, who posted a wonderful picture of some Monstera Deliciosa, the Swiss cheese plant that she grew from seed. These plants are incredible. From 2018 to now... They've got enormous. I will post a picture on the Facebook page for you to have a look at. And if you've got some lovely plants that you raised on for the Sew Along, then do let me know. So do share your successes and your failures from the Sew Along's previous years in the Facebook group or drop me a line to podcast at gmail.com so I can feature them in an episode. Can you hear that? That is the sound of leftover seed. If you are a long-standing on-the-ledge listener and you've taken part in previous sew-alongs, you may find that, like me, your eyes are rather bigger than your seed trays, so you go out and buy a load of seed and then realise you can't possibly sow them all. As a result, you end up with leftover seed from previous years. So, can you sow that seed? As with most things in life, there's a long answer and a short answer to this one. The short answer is yes, give it a go. Because most seed will last a few years and still be viable, will still germinate quite well. There are a few seeds that really do need to be sown very fresh. For example, clivia seed, which we will be talking about in an upcoming episode soon, definitely needs to be sown fresh. But the vast majority of seeds that you might be growing, for example, cacti and succulents, these seeds will last a good few years, particularly if you've stored them carefully in a dry place at a reasonable temperature. If you really want to get technical, you can do a germination test. And this is just a way of taking a small sample of your seed and finding out if it's going to germinate. It's not difficult. You just need to get a piece of damp paper towel, kitchen roll if you're a UK listener. That's what we call it here in the UK. (laughs) And you can lay a number of seeds onto the towel. Obviously, this won't work particularly well if you've got very dust like seed, for example, Lithop seed is really, really small. So that might not work for this. But if you've got a slightly larger seed, lay them out on your damp kitchen roll. You probably need a minimum, an absolute minimum of about five seeds. Ideally, about 10 would be great. Space them out and lay them on the kitchen towel. Check whether the seeds need light or darkness to germinate and then fold over your piece of kitchen towel and then roll it up into a little tube and put it in a plastic bag or even in a propagator tray with a clear lid so that you can see exactly what's going on. Make sure you label it so you know what's what and then begins the old waiting game. If you want to get really fancy, you can buy specialist germination paper online which is designed for botanists to use for exactly this purpose, but to be honest, kitchen towel will do just as well. You can also do this experiment on damp sand, particularly if you're planning to keep the seedlings and grow them on. So follow the normal instructions for your seeds, light or dark, whatever they need. And you should have an idea from the seed packet how long germination will take. Now, if germination has not happened in the slightest within a few weeks of the suggested germination period, then it's likely your seed isn't going to make it. But say you get one out of five seeds germinating, that would be a 20% germination rate and so on. So if all your seeds germinate, you're very much good to go. I would say anything above 60% germination rate definitely means that it's worth sowing those seeds germination tests are really worth it if you've got a lot of seed that's maybe a few years old and you just want to know what's worth sowing because that way you will only be sowing the stuff that really is worth spending time on therefore hopefully you won't have too many disappointments but maybe you're raising a quizzical eyebrow right now because you haven't actually got around to buying any seed yet don't panic i have suggestions for you as well Lots of you are looking for reliable places to buy seeds, including Rachel and Yakwise on Instagram. It is definitely worth taking a look at my US and UK buying guides which are on my website. I will link to them in the show notes because there is a seed section on both of these giving lists of great places to buy seed in the US and the UK. Do take a look at that but here's a few suggestions for you to be getting along with. If you're in the UK Chiltern Seeds has a quite a good range of houseplants and are definitely worth a look. They've got quite a lot of coleus, some cactine succulents like Areocarpus, and Aloe gata, Aloe polyphylla, clivias, coffee plants, and of course, the monstera deliciosa. So definitely check out Chilton Seeds if you can. There's also special plants. If you use their menu on the left-hand side to pick out conservatory plants, you'll find quite a few different interesting species in there, including an amazing intergeneric hybrid called Hippastrelia, which sounds amazing the baobab begonia begonia dregii which is dwarf wild begonia and apparently is good for bonsaiing who'd have thought and then there's cedarholic who have a nice range of coleus agaves aloes the umbrella plant cypress alternifolius and the sensitive plant mimosa pudica which i know a lot of you have had success growing in the past And my final UK-based suggestion would be jungleseeds.co.uk. From here, you can get the wonderful Desert Rose, Adenium obesum, dragon hybrids of Streptocarpus, and Schlumbergera truncata, although they call it Zygocactus truncatus, which is, I think, an old name. There's a great Etsy shop owned by a grower in Serbia called Unusual Seeds, and I think they ship all over the world. They've got a great range of cacti and succulents, Adeniums in particular, They are well worth a look. Seedman.com ships to Canada, Germany, the UK, Northern Ireland, Italy, Spain and the US and has a really good range of seeds. And Lisa also recommended on the On The Ledge Sew Along thread on the Facebook group sunnyplants.com who do indeed have a lovely selection of plants including cacti and succulents and quite a few tropical plant seeds. A mix of palms for example, strelitzia, both reginae and Nikolai, the orange and white flowered species of the bird of paradise. And you can even grow a baobab ad ansonia digitata. Wouldn't that be cool? So I can recommend all of those companies fairly confident that they are good sellers, but obviously there's a lot more options out there online when you're choosing seeds. So how do you know whether someone's genuine or not? Well, the first thing I would say is if it seems too good to be true, then it probably is. So if you're seeing pictures of things you've never seen before, like a begonia with blue leaves or a plant that seems to have three different types of fruits coming out of it, it's probably just been photoshopped. On places like eBay and Etsy, there are sellers who are selling all kinds of stuff that just that doesn't exist you're just going to get a packet of Crest seeds or similar through the post Uh, oftentimes these sellers are in China but not always and you'll also find lots of fake seed on Amazon too I've just been having a scroll through to find out what's there oftentimes the descriptions will be a weird old mishmash of different names so for example I just found a listing for something that was either a venus flytrap or a heliamphora, or maybe both but the pictures of the venus flytrap had bright blue traps yes not so good and when you click through to look at the seller in question and see what else they sell often with these sellers you'll find they're selling all kinds of stuff not just horticultural stuff but you know random gadgets and all sorts and oftentimes that's a good sign that they are not going to be supplying reliable seed and i've just come across a Another one which is a begonia listing, and on this one, the begonia has been photoshopped. It's one of those big flowered tuberous begonias, and it's been photoshopped to have bright blue flowers and dark blackish leaves, which that's really not going to happen. So, again, you know, be cautious. You'll find that a lot of these seeds that are listed. Oh, this is (laughs) this is a good one. I've just found uh, this is Lily of the Valley uh, seeds. And every one of the flowers on the Lily of the Valley is a different colour, so they're either yellow, orange, dark blue, light blue, purple, yellow. Yeah. Yeah, that's not happening. For two pounds and nineteen P that is not <laughs> gonna bring you much of a reward. So yeah, buyer beware on the online seed purchases. And the reviewers on this listing have got the sense to point out that this is not real. Uh, Somebody said, there is no bargain. Seeds are not good at all. None of the seed was live, all dead. No plants after a few months of waiting. Really disappointed. And then another one, another con job. This is just bits of dust. Not a single seed could be found. After checking under a microscope, not one single seed was found. Yeah, this is so disappointing for people to have this happen. But again, it's kind of but uh, um a very common thing we need to be really aware of it and spread the word to other gardeners because not everyone is as web savvy as they should be and avoid these sellers who are just making a fast buck And I would also emphasize that it's really great to get on board with plant societies because they often have seed schemes. For example, the Gesneriad Society, the British Terological Society, which we talked about last week and their spore scheme, the British Cactus and Succulent Society and many more. They operate on the kindness of their members in swapping or providing seed. And it's a great way of supporting these society so do check that out if you're struggling to find some special seed if there's a society you can join they will probably be able to help you out Some people have also asked why certain houseplants' seed seems to be just unavailable online. It's a good question. I guess partly it's down to how much seed a plant produces. So if a plant is not particularly forthcoming in terms of flowering and producing seed, that makes the seed very expensive to buy and expensive to produce. Some plants just don't flower that often and are very easily propagated vegetatively from cuttings. And so really people don't bother with seed or sometimes seed is only viable for a really short amount of time and that makes it impractical to sell so the next obvious question is what am i sowing this year well in front of me i've got a ragtag bunch of seed packets that i've gathered together uh some have dropped on the floor hang on i'm just gonna go and pick these up oh man Long way down okay i'm back so let's see what i'm sewing this year uh, i've got some things that were left over from last year so i've got half a packet of the bargain basement lottery mixture greenhouse plants uh, i've never actually identified what any of these were embarrassingly some of them went into pots outside as summer bedding because there was nothing that really looked house planty as such that germinated but i'm going to give this another go because that's a bit of fun um i've also got um um what's this i've got some lithops seeds uh which are i've got lithops bromfieldii embers which came from the bcss and the seed on this is absolutely tiny i can hardly see them in the packet but i've got a few of those to sow i've got another lithops which is alcampii Bellachetti, and i've probably got about 10 seeds there to sow I've also got a lovely bargain basement packet of coleus. This is a rainbow mix, the classic combination. And this just provides cheap and cheerful bedding for my outside beds. And any good plants can be kept inside over winter for the following year. So lovely, cheap and cheerful stuff. Okay, what else have I got here? I've got alopolyfilla. I think these came from the BCSS. I know that Chilton Seeds have got them, but I think they may be out of stock there. That's the wonderful aloe, succulent aloe with the spiral patterned rosette, which is absolutely gorgeous. And it's a generous packet of about a dozen seeds there. So I'm hoping for some success with that. What's this? Oh, Dioscoria elephantipes, which has got lovely seed, actually quite large with a sort of a, a fan type extension on it. Love a cordex, as we know, so I'm going to be trying to sew those. If you're not familiar with the Latin, uh, this is the elephant's foot plant that produces this incredibly wonderfully textured elephant's foot resembling cordex, a big swollen root at the bottom. I mean, I realise I'm not going to be getting a huge cordex uh, very soon because this plant, of course, will require some time to bulk up. But I thought this one would be a, a fun thing to try. And um, what's under this? Um, oh, okay. And I've also got some random chili seeds, self-save, self-saved chili seeds, which I will be sowing to, uh, I'm not exactly sure what variety they are, but some of those will no doubt end up on my windowsill. So that's kind of fun. So that's what I've got to sow so far this year. I think I've got some more seeds on their way. I think I may have done a bit of late night ordering. So this may not be the end of it. But for the moment, this is what I'm choosing from. I'll probably get started on the coleus first because it's really easy to sow and has a really good success rate. I might wait a couple more weeks to do the cacti and succulents. Oh, one more one more seed packet I forgot. This is from Chilton Seeds. It's Plectranthus mixed species so this will be interesting because plectranthus can make good house plants as well as being great summer bedding oh apologies the small, tiny seed packets are appearing from everywhere the other thing i've got is cheridopsis denticulata also from the vcss i'm gonna have to google that one because i can't even remember what i've bought there ah yes this is a lovely succulent with lovely pale yellow daisy-like flowers I guess the denticulata is because the leaves do resemble little teeth. So that's another great plant that I'm looking forward to growing. It's a South African native as are many of these plants. Now to more of your questions. This one came in on Instagram where I'm at Jane Perrone from Benjafin who asked, How much difference does compost actually make? As in, can you just use multipurpose and get similar results? Great question. So, do you need to splash out on specialist seed sowing mix as opposed to just using any old multi purpose compost you've got hanging around? The main issue with using that regular compost is just the size of the bits uh, within the compost. If you look at seed compost, it's usually very fine. It's more like I'm going to use an analogy that probably won't work to Americans now, but uh, if you're making a crumble, the consistency of the crumble mix before you put it on top of the <laughs> of the fruit is generally about what seed compost looks like. So more bread than big massive chunks, whereas if you get something that is a multi-purpose compost that can have quite large pieces in it and the problem for the seeds is that they can then just get stuck underneath a massive pile of something, well to them it's massive obviously if it's a tiny dot of a seed and it can hinder germination. The other thing about seed compost is that it tends to be relatively low in nutrients because seeds as they germinate draw energy from their own selves to, uh, to power that germination so they don't need a lot of nutrients early on in the process. Can you use multi-purpose if you've got massive seeds? Well, quite possibly yes. So if you've got something, um, I don't know, what the equivalent would be in the houseplant world, maybe a palm seed uh, or a runner bean seed or something like that that's really big, it probably won't do any harm to use a uh, larger grained compost. What you might want to do is just pick out any really large bits or give it a bit of a sieve. That may help. The other thing to bear in mind, though, is that seed compost is generally quite well drained so that the seeds don't get waterlogged and have water hanging around that could rot them before they get to a chance to germinate. That can also be a factor in the world of damping off, which is something that happens to seedlings now and again it's a fungal condition where suddenly your seedling will collapse and just fall over and there'll be sometimes a little bit of visible fungus around the base. You can combat that by providing good drainage and also really good hygiene, washing your seed trays with hot soapy water and rinsing before you begin. And also to some extent using fresh seed compost. So don't use last year's supplies buy in fresh obviously don't waste last year's you can obviously use that as a mulch in your garden or mulch on the top of your houseplant pots but don't use old compost for seeds so fresh compost ideally seed compost is the best thing you can use and for certain seeds cacti and succulents particularly you might want to be adding a layer of vermiculite on the soil's surface before you start sowing so that the seeds are even more well-drained. As always, check the seed packet, see what it recommends. Maybe try doing a couple of different combinations of compost for your seeds and see what works best. But I hope that helps Benjafin and your seeds romp away this year. Right, now it's time to meet our listener, and her name is Emily. Remember, if you want to feature on Meet the Listener, then drop me a line on theledgepodcast at gmail.com. It's ridiculously simple to take part. You just need a smartphone, which is something all of us have, I would say. So get involved. Let's hear you on the show. Hear the answers to your questions. I love this because every listener's got their own take, which is brilliant. So without further ado, let's hear from Emily.
0: I'm Emily from Erfurt and there I'm actually getting trained as a gardener in the oldest still existing cacti and succulent nursery of the world, Cacti in Hage. And I'm very excited about that because I also have a growing collection of succulents and cacti of my own, but I also live together with my all other houseplants and they really bring me joy.
1: Question one.
0: There's a fire and all your plants are about to burn which one do you grab as you escape? It's a horrible scenario, especially when you have many, many plants, but I would probably grab my Achevaria Lowie because she's very close to my heart. She's a tender plant and not really easy to keep, but right now she seems super happy, so I want to keep her that way and would take her with me. Question two.
1: What is your favorite episode of On the Ledge?
0: My favorite episode of On the Ledge must be the one about the prick cactus shop with Janelle Leon. I really loved it because she showed me that women can succeed in this business and she's super positive. And that's really my dream. She's living my dream and I hope to recreate that one day in Germany. And now I really want to go out and meet her and talk about this.
1: Question three. Which Latin name do you say to impress people?
0: I would love to use Latin names all the time, but I don't really have people around me that get excited about them, they just get confused and don't know what I'm talking about. So the Latin name I'm actually using sometimes is Monstera deliciosa, because everybody knows that plant by now, and I can then go on to explain why it's called deliciosa, and that's because of the supposedly very delicious fruit. Question four.
1: Crassulation, acid metabolism or ocean.
0: For me, it's crassulation and acid metabolism all the way. I just loved it when I found out about it in the first place and it got me even more excited about plants I already own because I thought it's just such a cool survival strategy to keep in your breath at the day and then start breathing at night when the temperature drops and gets livable, really. Question five.
1: Would you rather spend £200 on a variegated monstera or £200 on 20 interesting cacti?
0: After hearing everything I've said before, you're now probably going to expect that I want those 20 cacti, but actually I don't. I would really love the variegated monstera because I don't have any more space for 20 cacti. I'm just allowed to buy one or two at some times. but I do have space for that monstera and if anybody's interested in Germany to swap a cutting of a variegated monstera against some nice cacti, hit me up.
1: time for question of the week which comes from Sonia who has just discovered on the ledge and is catching up on episodes she's currently on episode 34 so she might have to skip forward a bit to get the answer to this particular question she's using seed starters hydroponic seed starters and feeding them with liquid nutrients every couple of weeks and she's realized after the fact that she's been feeding the seed starters double the amount of liquid nutrients recommended oops. I was wondering how to proceed with the feeding at this point. Should I give them less food but at the regularly scheduled time interval? Give them the normal amount of food but wait a bit longer in between the feedings? Or just act like nothing bad happened and give them the normal amount of food at their regularly scheduled time interval? Now I am not a massive hydroponic expert so it was time to call in someone who is... And that man is Kevin Espiritu from Epic Gardening. You'll have heard Kevin in my hydroponics episode, so he was the ideal person to deal with Sonia's plight. Over to Kevin now to answer the question, Kevin, what do we do about these seed starters who've received a little bit too much in the way of nutrients?
2: Well, hello there, Jane. Thanks so much for thinking of me, and I'm glad to be back on the podcast to answer this question for Sonia. So the thing to think about with hydroponics, of course, is that we control the entire environment, and sometimes we do make these mistakes. Now, the question has multiple answers. Depending on the type of hydroponic system that you're using, one solution would be to change out the reservoir and correctly apply the right amount of nutrients. And what that means is, You're literally taking all the water and nutrition and dumping it out and then replacing it with a fresh batch. Now, a lot of hydroponic growers are doing that on a weekly or biweekly basis anyways. And so, this could be a good opportunity to do that. If you don't want to do that, then what you can do is get a EC, electrical conductivity, or TDS meter. They are effectively the same thing. Now, what this will do is it will tell you the concentration of nutrients in the water And what I might do is I might continually top my reservoir up with water, but not add nutrients until that level falls below a certain point. Like you said, you fed it twice as much nutrients. And so what'll happen is the plant will drink water and nutrients, but it's not going to decrease the concentration too much because the plants aren't large enough to be using it yet. Now, fortunately, it sounds like you've avoided what we call nutrient burn. When you put way too much nutrient in the solution... And actually that damages the plants. As long as you've avoided that, I might say to just leave it in and continually top up with water that does not have additional nutrients until it's diluted to a point where the plants are at their normal feeding schedule. That's it for me. Thanks so much, Jane. Back to you.
1: Thank you, Kevin. And now I've got a couple more questions to answer before we close. And the first one is, Matthew wanted to know how to get hold of Gesneriad seeds for Gesneriads that aren't for sale in the US. Well, one thing that is worth doing is checking out the various Gesneriad Facebook groups because sometimes people do share seed and sell seed via those forums. There's one called African Violet and Gesneriad And there's, you know, a few examples of people offering seed there. There's also another Facebook group called Gesneri Nerds, which is worth checking out. And somebody on there suggests a website called Brazil Plants. I can't vouch for this one, but looking at it, it does look like it's got a great range of plants. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to the species list that they have for their seed service. And it's a pretty basic site. So you need to email this chap who I think is in Brazil to get the details. And obviously, you've got to make sure that you can get the seeds through whatever customs regulations you have in your country. But that's worth a look, brazilplants.com. If anyone's used Brazil plants successfully, I'd love to know. And then we can verify that as a good supplier. But the top tip really on Gesneriad seed is to join the Gesneriad Society. Then you can take part in the seed fund, which is wonderful. You'll get some really interesting seed to sow. That really is the best way of getting hold of some cool Gesneriad seed. So do take that top tip. And finally, Rachel wanted to know about relatively fast growing flowering cacti. If you want something that's going to give you a quick win, by which I mean probably go from seed to a flowering cactus in about two years... Then the best cacti are probably either mammillarias or Rebutias, which are very easy, produce really beautiful flowers and are one of my favourite uh, types of cacti. You know, a lot of the columnar cacti will take an awful lot longer to be mature enough to flower. So, you know, again, mammillarias and Rebutias are the ones you want to go for. If you get into cactine and succulents, as I've said many times before, the BCSS, British Cactus and Succulent Society is brilliant. I've got in front of me their wonderful seed raising information sheet, which is really good. It's just four pages, but it gives you everything you need to know about raising cactine and succulents from seed. And one thing I've just learned, which I didn't know, is if you're planning to grow epiphyllums from seed, apparently these really don't like having a lot of lime in their compost. So you need to make sure the pH of your compost is more on the slightly acidic side as opposed to the limey side. And that will hopefully ensure that your success. One other thing that's definitely worth watching out for when you have got young seedlings of any plant is fungus gnats. Now, normally on mature plants, fungus gnats are not going to cause too much of a problem. But for seedlings, those little baby grubs can eat away at roots and cause significant damage and loss of seedlings. So go back and listen to the fungus gnat episode if you haven't done so already. Uh, And the best solution for fungus gnats is a nematode drench where you add some microscopic nematode worms to water and add that to your seed trays that will kill off the Fungus snap larvae in a very safe way and your plants will not be damaged. Well, that just about wraps up this week's show. I hope you've enjoyed it and I will be back next Friday with a bit more on the ledge sew-along info. Oh, and just to say, I'm sorry that this week I'm not bringing you the details of the Chelsea ticket giveaway. Um, I'm just waiting on a bit more information from the RHS about how to word the terms and conditions, but it will be coming soon, so don't worry, that's on its way. Uh, Coronavirus notwithstanding, the RHS is saying at the moment that all its shows will go ahead. So I'm working on that basis with our fingers fully crossed. So I'll get the giveaway details to you as soon as possible, hopefully next week. In the meantime, plant people, enjoy sowing and tending your plants. I'm off to do a couple of interviews for upcoming episodes. Exciting, exciting, top secret stuff, but you're going to love it. So tune in again next week. Bye. The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, an instrument the boy called Happy Day Kakana by Samuel Corwin, and Quasi Motion by Kevin MacLeod. All licensed under Creative Commons. See my website for details.